Mobile Rolling, presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound, making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices, online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Maybe on a run in the Mark Gurry Associates Sprint Lane. In fourth position is Dancing with Flow, outside player Blanca. And at the tail of the field of six is Wonga Lake as they pass the 400. 26.8 for that third quarter. And the leader is Soho Historia. I'm off and gone, two metres away, under pressure, but still trying to lift into the straight. Soho Historia from I'm off and gone. It's Soho Historia. She got away on I'm off and gone. The margin's now five, and Soho Historia is going on her winning way. And to the line, Soho Historia wins it by seven metres to I'm off and gone. What a line Just one of the many impressive types we're going to see at Albion Park on Saturday night. She's a courage under fire filly with a phenomenal record. Chris Barsby, good morning to you. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. All yeah, right. she's uh, one of the stars that is stepping out this Saturday night. There's no question about it. Part of that big team for Emma Stewart. Yet to arrive, however, though, Steve, her and like a wildfire who's going to be stepping out in the grand circuit race, the Tablacks are fake, yet to arrive in Brisbane. So it's going to be a similar type situation to what we saw with Ladies in Red, Majita, and uh, Beyond Delight on the uh, first big night of the carnival. So they flew in the day before. And it's hopeful that that plane will uh, take off from Melbourne and they'll arrive uh, in the early hours uh, later this week. What sort of odds is she likely to be, Chris Soho Astoria in the Oaks? Oh, I'd say she'll be, she, she'd probably be double figures. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, clear favourite for that race will be Amore Vita. Uh, she was the beaten favourite in last week's Southeast Oaks, but she was the big winner yesterday with those barrier draws conducted, landing gate two. Soho Astoria's got a second row draw. First look around Albion Park. It's not easy. And keeping in mind, Steno's got a front row drawer as well. So I think Amore Vita and Steno will clearly be the top two in, in betting for the Oaks. Yeah, and she's been leading, hasn't she, from good gates in recent times. So Soho Astoria. Jess Tubbs is with us. Chris, our first guest on Mobile Rolling. Thanks to Garrard's. Yeah, really looking forward to the chat with Jess because, let's be honest, the stars of the Tab Constellations for 2022 has been this combination of Jess Tubbs and Greg Sugars. Lara J Farmers, the uh, the operation, and it's just been unbelievably successful. Two nights down, we've got the big grand finale coming up this Saturday night. So it's unfinished business as far as the operation is concerned because they've got the two runners in the Tab Blacks of Fake, Triple Eight and Better Eclipse, and the star little mare, moments like these, will step out in the Mayor's feature as well. And Jess Tubbs joins us now. Jess, really appreciate the time. No worries. Thanks, guys. Uh, the, the carnival has been overwhelmingly successful. Uh, do, do you pinch yourself? Do you, well, obviously, you came up here with, you know, great intentions, but it's just been so good so far. I don't even think it'll really sink in until Greg and I are both home and have a drink and watch the replays and just... Um, yeah, take in what, what the kids have actually been able to achieve. Um, we're so proud of the three horses we brought up here. Uh, granted, they're our best three, but, um, yeah, to to think that they've achieved already what they have is quite incredible. But as you say, we've got some unfinished business. The, the biggest uh, race is yet to come. So, yeah, uh, all eyes on Saturday night. For those that don't know, how long has Lara J Farm been in operation now? Um... Oh, probably only four or five years, I think. Um, yeah, we, we only moved up to the farm five or six years ago and just started out really small. We just originally had a couple of broodmares up there and um, gradually got a couple of our own uh, babies and brought them through and things have just got bigger and bigger. So how big is the farm? 
Uh, we've got 135 acres at home. And, um, yeah, pretty much all of it's ended up horse paddocks now. We do have some cattle out there as well. Um, but, yeah, we just keep adding to it. We're in the process of building some more undercover shelters and things now. So, yeah, anyone who has a farm knows that the, the work never stops and you can always find something else to spend your money on. <laughs> How many tracks are on the farm? Uh, we've got two. We've got about a 950-metre round track and we've got a 1,000-metre straight track, um, which is on a hill. So we've got a few hills out there, so the horses are used to that. I think they're enjoying being at Shannon Prices where it's a nice flat track for them for, for a change. But, um, mm. yeah, we've, we've got a few different ways we can work them, which um, lends itself well to having different horses of different abilities and, yeah, um, can hopefully find the right fit for each one. Yeah. As you said, you haven't had the chance to sit down and, and, you know, fully appreciate what you've achieved so far. Just on that, and just for Lara J Farm, how big do you think this will be for the stable? The fact that you've been able to go away on an interstate raid, and it's not easy, albeit you're taking your best horses, but you're going to foreign territory, competing against the very best. And to achieve results like this, how beneficial could it be for, for the stable? It's been really beneficial um, just for Greg and myself, um, aside from anything else, really, just from a confidence perspective. Um, we still kind of think of ourselves as the new kids on the block uh, in some respects. And so to be able to travel first to Sydney for the Inter-Dominion and the Miracle Mile Carnival and have success there and then um, to come up here, it is, it's a lot of organisation and a lot of money to travel this far and um, obviously difficult travelling back and forth uh, for all of us from... Melbourne to Queensland but um, yeah it's just a confidence thing it's it's been amazing to see what we have been able to achieve and to know that we can be competitive at this level um, really keeps you keeps you going and getting up in the morning. The results on the track have been sparkling like I said but also for you guys uh, just on a social aspect meeting a lot of new people up here that, that's obviously been a, a big thrill as well. Absolutely. I think harness racing is fantastic for that. Um, we're staying, as I said, at Shannon Price's and we've known Shannon for so many years. Dad stayed with her at her um, previous property when he used to travel horses. And in Sydney, we've got the Fitzpatrick's and Paul Fitzpatrick's up here now. And just to be able to come together and um, celebrate, yeah, the, the carnivals with um, people from all around Australia, it's, it's really special. And I think something that harness racing does better than anyone. Speaking of special, both yourself and Greg come from really famous harness racing families. How proud do you think uh, the families are of what you guys have achieved over the past couple of weeks? Well, I'd like to think they'd all be very proud. Um, I know mum and nanny are, are certainly proud and, um, yeah, they they cheer for us at home and um, Greg's family's really supportive and um, much as I would love to have dad here um, to see what we're doing I know just how uh, special it would be to him and how proud he'd be of both of us. Yeah absolutely now unfinished business the big one, uh, the big grand finale on Saturday night, the grand circuit race, triple eight and better eclipse, let's start with better eclipse, uh, he's taken all before him so far, excellent first up in the rising sun running into that freakish mare ladies in red and then to step up last week against the open class performers and win in, in a dominant manner as well in the Sunshine Sprint, he's been just a, an absolute revolution. Yeah, he, as you say, he just keeps taking that next step. Um, we we always thought he was a nice horse, but never knew how good he would become. Um, every time we've sort of pushed him and he's come against another challenge, he has, um, yeah, 
he's conquered it. So, look, we were so proud of his run in the Rising Sun um, to do what he did and, um, yeah, get as close as he did and hang on to second. And then, obviously, last week was a massive thrill and, um, yeah, shows that he can put himself into those races and still finish off at the end. So, no, we were really thrilled with him. Have you got to the bottom of him? Because when you look at this year alone, 2022... Fastest ever Chariots of Fire winner. He was placed in the Miracle Mile against the three-time champion in King and Swing. And, and now what he's done up here, it's been a hell of a ride in a, in a short space of time. It's been incredible. And, I mean, it, it feels a little greedy to keep asking any more and expecting him to get better because of what he's already achieved. But, um, you know, there's nothing that's told us that we've seen the bottom of him yet. So we just have to do our bit and keep him happy and sound and bopping along. And um, hopefully he'll do the rest. What about the draw on Saturday night, inside of the second row? I don't think that's bad. Um, obviously, Triple Eight doesn't have the best gate speed, um, so I'm not sure quite how far back on the fence he'll end up. But um, I think over that distance, it's only the second time he's met the distance um, after running in the Derby Heat and final as a three-year-old. So he handled that really well, and there's nothing to suggest that he won't. But I think for a four-year-old who's already had so much racing... Um, probably being on the fence isn't going to be a terrible place for him. It looks like this race is going to generate good pressure. It's hard to map at this early stage, but it looks like they're going to be rolling along at a pretty good clip. I hope so for for both our runners. Um, Yeah, it's it's a quality field and we're pretty stoked to have two runners that are in with a chance. So um, whichever horse manages to win will, uh, will have earned it, that's for sure. Now, Triple Eight, he was stunning winning the Mr. Feel Good on the first night of the carnival. Uh, and then last week, he finished at the rear of the field in the Sunshine Sprint, only nine metres behind Better Eclipse. But amazingly, his last 400 was the quickest in the race. Uh, he was going that strongly through the line, past the line. Yeah, on face value, I was a little disappointed um, with where he finished. Uh, but that was trying to watch two horses at once, which I'm never very good at. And um, when I went back and watched the replay, we were really happy with him. Um, He had no hope the way the race was run. And um, Adam said his last 100 was his best 100. And, um, yeah, he was really running home well, and he's pulled up super. So, um, yeah, as you say, he ran great in the, uh, the first week of the carnival, and hopefully he can finish it off in the same way. Well, I'm sure he's a special horse, Triple Eight, for the stable because he's been flying the, the flag for a little while for you guys. But in, in all seriousness, he deserves to win a big one. And this would be a, a great reward for him on Saturday night if he could do it. Oh, it'd just be a fairy tale. Um, obviously, he won um, one of the group ones at Bendigo, but it wasn't one of the, I guess, the Grand Circuit races and um, ran second in the Victoria Cup. So, yeah, to see him claim something like this would be incredible and, He's my stable favourite, so um, I'm always secretly cheering for Triple Eight. Okay, connections, are they going to be trackside on Saturday night for both horses? Uh, I'm not too sure yet. I haven't had a chat to them. We've got a couple, um, Scott and Barbara Plant are over from New Zealand um, in Triple Eight, and I think Shannon Nixon and his family are heading up, so I'm not too sure. But, um, yeah, hopefully so. Antoinette Bajada did travel to Sydney, so hopefully she'll be up here as well. But, um no, haven't haven't done the uh, roll call just yet. Okay. And obviously, once you get through Saturday night, you return home, they'll have a little freshen up and get set for the Inter-Dominion later in the year? 
Yeah, that's the plan. I think um, we're all going to have a freshen up. We'll send the horses for a bit of a spell and Greg and I are trying to sneak a couple of days up here before we head back home to the rain and the cold. Um, so, but yeah, that'll be the plan. All, all being well, um, Victoria Cup and then into Dominion for these guys. All right. Moments like these, the mayor, she's been mighty. A runner-up in both starts so far. Um, last week in the Group 1 Golden Girl, did you think she'd hold on? Oh, look, I think we all had a moment. Um, but, yeah, she was great. Um, it put her over 200,000. She's done such a good job for her connections and um, really, really pr- pleased that uh, Alabar had given us a chance with her. She's just hit such a strong crop of uh, fillies and mares, you know, for her to be born into. I think in any other year she'd have claimed a few more features. But um, she seems to love to travel. And, yeah, she was great last week. We weren't disappointed at all. Yeah, she loves Queensland as well. She won the Oaks last year. Can she take this listed feature on Saturday night, the Queen of Hearts? I think it'll be tricky for her, but she's certainly uh, in with a chance. She's proven she's up with the mares that are racing at the moment. So hopefully she gets a nice run through from the second row and um, can be finishing off hard. All right. Now, yesterday we had the, the barrier draws, the golf day. It was the big social day. You went a different way. Obviously, you're not a, a keen golfer. Can I ask where you were yesterday afternoon? <laughs> I was lucky enough. Uh, Ricky Elchin took me out fishing. So um, I actually hooked a 75-centimetre flathead pretty much at the moment that Triple Eight drew barrier one. We had um, <laughs> Sky 2 on while we were fishing. And so it was a pretty hectic five minutes, but very exciting. You, you do enjoy fishing the outdoors, don't you? I love it. Yep. Dad and I always went fishing every year. That was our annual holiday. And, um, yeah, nah, fishing fishing is my favourite thing to do. Oh, you're pushing my buttons now. Was it bait or, or uh, a lure? Bait. Bait. Okay. Can you reveal? Pilchards? Uh, I think we did. We had a mixture of all sorts of different bits and pieces. We um, Drifting we or were you just slow retrieve? Uh, no, we were just drifting uh, with the tides and mm-hmm. um, doing some passes not too far off the off the ramp at Redcliffe there. And, um, yeah, spent a good four or five hours out there. It was a, a cracking day. So um, uh, very much enjoyed. Sounds great. Okay. Well, really appreciate the time this morning, Jess. Uh, as I said, you've been the star of the carnival so far. Unfinished business with the big brand circuit race, and you've got Two outstanding chances coming through on Saturday night with Triple Eight and Better Eclipse. Appreciate the time today. We'll see you trackside and uh, continued success for Lara Jade Farm. No worries. Thanks, guys. And hopefully you're cheering us home on uh, Saturday night, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'd look forward to that because uh, you guys have been the, the stars of the show. So there's Jess Tubbs, and uh, it's going to be a very intriguing race, Steve, because that barrier draw yesterday, it was a little bit strange the way it went about uh, the Curic officials the way they sort of structured it they asked connections to come up and pick but just the way they sort of structured the uh, the, the the plaques with the numbers that were flipped over it was uh, quite odd but a uh, few people obviously worked out how it was set up and uh, they struck early so uh, congratulations to them but uh, it was an odd one so what, are you, that's to... been working th- what are you well, trying to say just... <laughs> it was wrong okay it was wrong. The, the, the Keurig stewards got it wrong. They got it wrong. So, anyway, we'll move on. Jerry's and with the us. The man that's been working, yeah, I, I was going to say, he's been working feverishly since that barrier draw was released there on uh, yesterday afternoon, and he's with us now, Jared Nappy.
to give us the latest prices for this Group 1 Grand Circuit event. Jared, good morning. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Steve. Um, well, it's interesting. We've got two trains of thought here, I think. We've got those who are more than happy to be with Spirit of St. Louis from the good barrier draw, and then there are those out there that think maybe he's not going that well. And there's been some interest in a couple of the others. And, of course, we've got the Victorian, like a wildfire, which um, apparently is still waiting to catch a plane. Mm. So I'll run through the prices as they sit right now, and then you can tell me where the money's gone or hasn't gone. Triple eight five fifty, Alta Orlando eighteen, Spirit of St Louis two seventy, Majestic Cruiser twelve, the Emergency Mac Da Vinci sixty one, and I'll mention him just in case that like a wildfire doesn't arrive. Turn it up eighteen, like a wildfire, he's four forty. Better Eclipse five fifty, Colt thirty one forty one, Zeus Bromac, he's at twenty six. Max Shard, 61. Rock and Marty, 16. Black Sedans, $126. So the favourite is Spirit of St. Louis, 270. Where's the early money going? Well, we'll deal with these going down the page, uh, the ones that have, have moved either inwards or outwards. Now, Triple Eight, 488 to 550. Spirit of St. Louis did open at 260. He's uh, now 270, but there's definitely some interest in him at the $2.70. Majestic Cruiser, 9 out to 12. Turned it up, 14 out to 18. Now, like a wildfire, Chris, $7 after the barrier draw in the final field. Now $4.40. I suppose um, for those who have taken that, uh, the advantage is being final field, where you do get a full refund there. Obviously, there would be deductions with something else, but quite interesting that all of a sudden uh, punters want to be with him. Um, We didn't actually put him into the field until last week when... It was suggested he might well come up if he won at Ballarat, uh, which is obviously what happened. Better Eclipse, not too much interest here. Uh, 480 out to 5.50 now. Uh, Colt 31's at 41. Uh, bit of interest in Rock and Marty. Now, Rock and Marty was 21. It's just come in ever so slightly to $16. So, in summing up, favour pretty solid. Uh, and the ones that they want to be on to beat um, Spirit of St. Louis definitely like a wildfire with that little caveat on it there and one of those roughies um, Rock and Marty Chris can I just ask Spirit of St. Louis the other night looked lovely early in the race when he was behind the leader in a great striking spot and then he ended up three fence and he ran second what was your assessment of that what did the quarters say no, he was really good. It was a quick last quarter. Middle half was only 58-2. It was a perfectly executed drive in front by Greg Sugars. So it was just a sprint home there, and, and the last 200 metres was exceptionally fast. So for him to pick up and, and, and make some ground on better Eclipse and to get past Turn It Up, I think uh, was a really positive sign looking ahead to this week. So uh, I'm not surprised he's the favourite, but in saying that, I wasn't surprised to hear that early move for Like a Wildfire. Keeping in mind with Like a Wildfire, he thrashed the reigning Inter Dominion champion, albeit he was first up last week, Bonsell Benjamin at Ballarat. But I think it was two runs ago, he easily took care of better Eclipse at Melton. So his form lines are absolutely super. Yes, he's got that wide draw. Yes, he's yet to arrive. But $7 was appealing early as soon as those markets went up. So what do we do now, Jared? Will we just sit and wait and just see if this plane well, arrives and then well, see I if think there's we any do. sort of movement? I think we do. Yeah. Do you have anything uh, in regards to the latest with that? And and obviously, uh, what would be the deadline if you were flying a horse interstate? Could you wait as late well, as Friday? Yeah, and that, and that's what happened uh, on, on night one with Ladies in Red and Beyond Delight and Majita, the trio of Emma Stewart and Fang right. Song, and they flew in the early hours of uh, Friday morning. So it might be something similar again here because it'll be like a wildfire 
and Soho Historia on that flight coming up. So um, it could be early hours Friday morning again. I, I wouldn't think they'd want to be coming any later, but uh, it, it's probably going to be likely later in the week. So it's going to be all important. The other thing too, it'll be interesting to see who they nominate to drive like a wildfire as well. Mm. No driver listed. Yep. Chris, Colt 31, of course, he won when I was away. How long had it been between drinks for him? I know he's big odds here. Uh, no, not not all that long. Uh, he scored a win at Redcliffe uh, a couple of months ago. He's won three of his last 32 starts, Steve. So, um, you know, like, it, it's not as consistent now that the winning is what it once was, but uh, he, he does have a, a couple of recent wins, and, and that was a good confidence-building victory last time out. He took shortcuts. He came through on the inside, but uh, it'll be interesting. To see. He's won this race previously back in 2019. He was able to score in this race, so he knows what's required, but some are just sort of questioning mm. whether he's still got that killer punch, and we're going to find out if he's still got it this weekend. It's remarkable, isn't it? If he, win, if he can win a race in the next couple of weeks, he'll he win number 50 from 109 starts. That's an extraordinary record, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it truly is. But it's a very open race. It's a, I'll be interested when we chat with Jared later in the week to see if Spirit of St. Louis gets out a little more, or is that about... You know the the right price now two seventy. Do you expect him to get out any further, Jerry? Well, it all depends on the other horse, doesn't it? I mean, twenty percent of the market—that's what like a wildfire, what like a wildfire currently takes up. And you really couldn't blame too many people for sitting back waiting to see what uh, what the result is, whether he can get here or or not. Uh, obviously, if he doesn't get here, that market changes significantly, and uh, well, he will shorten up spirit of St. Louis, as will some of the others behind him, like Triple Eight and Better Eclipse. Um, but I don't think outside of that trio, uh, we're going to find too much interest in, and or no big interest in any of the others. It's a terrific race and obviously you're getting big mm. odds some pretty handy horses, but uh, that trio, they look like they'll dominate. It, it was a fill up for you guys last week. Uh, Albion Park was just a a nightmare for punters to work out. Every favourite was just going under race after race last week. It would have been an absolute fill-up for you guys last week. Oh, I think the boys owned up to winning something. Um, and, of course, Majida. Uh, that was the one that killed a lot of multis. I think everybody took Majida mm. with all sorts of things. Um, harness, gallops, dogs, sport. Uh, <laughs> couldn't get the job done. Yeah, just on Majida. Ended up three fence, Chris. Tell us about that. Well, she just got crossed and crossed quite easily, Steve. So um, I'm not sure if she's blessed with brilliant gate speed or was she just caught napping at the start that the local Ruby's Fatash aimed up, got across and then handed over to moments like these. So once she was three back on the inside, uh, it was always going to be, um, you know, a touch on it. She was amongst nominations, uh, interestingly, for the Blacks of Fake. She didn't secure a start, but uh, she was amongst nominations for the feature on Saturday night. So... Uh, her campaign's now now over here in in Queensland, you could say. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, what they aim at long term, looking later this year and that. But uh, yeah, just it wasn't to be. Leap to Fame went under, and more Avita went under in those Oaks and Derby features. Beyond Delight was a a big big blowout for most. That was the first leg of the Quaddy as well. Everyone was spruiking him, and he, he finished at the rear of the field. So. It, it wasn't it wasn't fun to be a punter here at Albion Park. I do last remember week. last year. What amazing dream was big odds in one of the features, wasn't she? Yeah, she, when she won we, this race last year, yeah. Steve, she went off at big odds. Yeah. Uh, 
So, um, yeah, she went off at good odds in the Rising Sun. And then uh, when she won the uh, the Blacks of Fake, she was at generous odds again. So it's been a uh, a little bit of a, a nightmare, the, the Winter Carnival in recent times. But um, anyway, we'll see what happens this week. Jared, really appreciate your time. And we'll talk again on Friday morning. Chris, before we go, I just need one today, please. Uh, one today, I'm going with Rock Bottom. Race four, number seven. He can bounce back into the winner's circle. Race four, number seven. Bit of an omen after what you said with the result last Saturday night, if you were there. <laughs> <laughs> That's $2.20, yeah, we'll, by the way. That'll do. Yep. We'll take it. Jared Daffy, we'll rock, rock Bottom this afternoon. Greg, Greg O'Connor's with us, Chris. Well, Greg's been the ambassador for uh, Albion Park and the Harness Racing Club throughout the uh, the Tab Constellations uh, for 2022. He enjoyed a day out yesterday. He's a keen golfer, so he was down at the Meadowbrook Golf Course yesterday, swinging away, and uh, he joins us now. Greg, appreciate the time. Yeah, very good morning to you, Chris. It's been uh, fantastic last couple of weeks over here, and you're right, uh, it was a hard night, Saturday night for the punters, but they all enjoyed themselves yesterday, the ones that made their way out uh, to the golf day, and uh, it was a good day ahead by all, and of course those all-important barrier draws were conducted, and it's probably made it more difficult uh, after the barrier than what it was before those numbers went up. Mm, there's no doubt about that. Frontline speed, Alder Orlando turn it up. They probably appear to be the, the two quickest horses off that front row, but their handover horses turn it up, handed over last week in the Sunshine Sprint, Alder Orlando over the longer trip, and this is a horse you know well. He'd be looking for cover, so it's going to be interesting to see who gets there first to attack and look for the lead. Yeah, I think that's where the theory around like a wildfire is coming, that uh, he'll slide across uh, with a very quick turn it up. I said last week, I think he's the fastest horse off the gate in Australasia. And talking to Shane Graham yesterday, he likes him even better from behind the gate when he's just that little bit wider out. He can build momentum and he'll definitely get across. And yeah, I think he, he may very well hand, as he did last week to better Eclipse, who's probably come up with the one draw the Tubbs-Sugars combination weren't looking for inside second row, following out Triple Eight, who's not known for early speed, so is going to end up on the markers. And saying that, Chris, for the uh, couple of nights I've been here, the markers has been a pretty hot place to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to ask you about that, because some are saying that, you know, it's a notoriously peg-dominated track and all that sort of stuff. But is it just the evolution of racing now, Greg, that these horses... Uh, there's not a great deal between them. It's very competitive. The pegs is obviously the shortest way home. So is it more that way of thinking, or do you think there is a really distinct advantage by being on the inside now? Well, as you know, in New Zealand, I work a lot with Michael Guerin, and over the last five years, uh, the pair of us have been ad nauseum to say markers, 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 particularly in the group races, especially the group one races. Now, all of these horses are capable of running home in 54 seconds or thereabouts. Therefore, if they're off the pegs, it's incredibly hard to, A, make ground on the leaders because they can all run home at the same time. And if they land there at the start and there's no moves... It's basically a front-of-the-field dominated race. So I think it's the evolution, Chris. I think it's the breed. Yeah. I think it's the, the type of horse that now is uh, is needed to win these races. What's different about Saturday night is the distance of the race and the fact that some of these horses are only really attuned to running over the short course. And I think that's what will bring a horse like Majestic Cruiser into play. If you go back through his form and his 10 runs over distance since joining the Jason Grimson team, He's won six of them. He missed out in the Inter-Dominion final where I think he ran fifth or sixth and in uh, the early races part of this carnival where he was first up from the Messenger in New Zealand over 2,700 metres where he beat self-assured. 
$10, now $12. If he keeps drifting, I'll keep putting it on. Mm. Greg and Chris, just to, on your comments, and I'm, I'm looking at American racing in front of me every day of the week. There's a race on at Yonkers right now that I'm watching, but how often do you see it there in America where leaders or something behind the leader wins a race over there in the States because they're just running such fast time? Well, and that's my point. Like we saw a world record on the weekend. Bulldog Hanover went 145 and four-fifths, and uh, all of those horses that finished one, two, three in that race, guess what? They're all on the peg. So to, to Greg's point, it's just the way racing is now. They're all capable of going these fast times. So if you're on the pegs, and in particular with down under racing, the fact that we have sprint lanes, it's the best spot to be. Didn't Amazing Dream come up the inside last year? Both races. I think you'll find that she was yeah. in the trail in both of them, beautifully driven by Mark Purden last year. And um, it is, it's just a case of uh, Racy Roxy got it last week, got the perfect run. You, you go to the Oaks this week, drawn out at about four or five. I think that takes her out of play for a race like that. So, um, yeah, Amora Vita is one I'm looking forward to bouncing back this week. Chris comes up with a beautiful barrier draw of two. Spoke to Nathan Purden about that. Uh, going to change the bit. She pulled too hard last week, uh, tighten up the undercheck, and um, I think you'll see a different horse in the Oaks this week. Okay. Um, just on Nathan Purden, um, what are we expecting with Nathan? Will he return to Victoria after this campaign? That's where he's currently based, and she's eligible for a couple of good races. But ultimately, does he want to return to New Zealand? Does he? Does he? Is he happy in Victoria? Have you heard any word uh, on what the future holds for Nathan? I think at this stage they're going through to the Breeders' Crown in Victoria. Uh, he and his partner, Michaela Lewis, there's, there's no doubt they're missing home. There's no question about that at all, Chris. And um, the uh, involvement, if you like, of the All-Stars team, firstly Natalie Rasmussen and Mark Purden, then Hayden Cullen took over while Mark and Natalie were looking to go overseas. Now Natalie's taken her name out of the training partnership and... It wouldn't surprise me at all if Nathan makes his way home, maybe joins his dad in partnership, and they operate like that for a wee while. So I think that's certainly on the cards. I don't see him staying in Australia. He's a he's a quality young horseman, and I think Mark can see the, the genes coming through, and he wants to uh, continue what has been a, a domination over the last 80 years of the Purda name in New Zealand harness racing. So... Uh, yeah, I expect to see him back in New Zealand. They haven't announced that yet. That's not official, but um, I'd be surprised if it doesn't happen. Okay. And we're seeing it more and more now where a lot of those leading harness trainers in that Canterbury area back from where you're from are dabbling with the thoroughbreds. There's strong whispers about that Mark Purden might be training a galloper or two later this year. Can you confirm or deny that one? Yeah, he's taken out his licence to train and uh, you will see him with a... Uh, a thoroughbred racing... Oh, I don't think it's in the too distant future, to be honest. Uh, Chris, I haven't got the name of it. Okay. Uh, I know the bloke who owns it, but I'll, I'll get that to you so you can relay it to your listeners uh, further down the track. But I think it's just part of... Uh, I mean, Mark Jones is doing it in New Zealand, doing successfully uh, as well. Michael House, a guy who's trained, uh, you know, over 600 harness winners, he's he's looking uh, to increase his thoroughbred arm of, of his uh, his barn and... There's just so many opportunities now, particularly uh, we've got the all-weather tracks and two in the North Island and, and one in Christchurch now. So 
the weather, which at the moment's atrocious at home, I'm hating hearing that most days, um, with an all-weather track, it means these horses can race in the winter without having to handle the really heavy track. So I see it, it continuing to evolve. Crandall Giddy's even talked about it at one stage. And I think it's a challenge for these guys. Uh, when they've been doing it as long as Mark Purden's been doing it, uh, Barry Purden's had some gallopers in the past too. They need a new challenge. They need to, to push their uh, push their boundaries, I suppose. And speaking to Mark before he went back to New Zealand, over here, he was quite excited about it and the fact that um, it gives him another string to his bow. Mm. Fair to say he'd be, a, he'd be a success at anything he puts his hand to, Mark. Well, he, he just knows his horses so well. And you, and you see, Chris, when he goes to a carnival and he's one-on-one with them, um, they just they just lift. You've seen Lazarus come over here and win it into the Minion, win Victoria Cups. Um, you know, he's done it time and time again. When he's, when he's one-on-one with self-assured, he went from running second in the New Zealand Cup to basically being unbeatable in New Zealand outside of when Majestic Cruiser got him uh, in that messenger. So, and then he bounced back and, of course, won the Auckland Cup. So when he is with these horses and at one with them, um, they, they seem to just go uh, so much better. And uh, when you've got a big stable, and you know they, they train anything up to 55, 60 horses, when he's away and he's only got two or three and he's dialled in, look out. Yeah, absolutely. One other one, just on the Purden family. At the golf day yesterday, Katrina, the wife of Barry, was there, and they share in the ownership of Max Shard, who's competing in the Tab Blacks of Fate. Does Katrina go right at the golf? Um, she's improving. How does that sound? She really loves it. Uh, I can tell you the late Roy Purden's wife, Margaret, she was an outstanding golfer, a national champion, so there's pedigree there, even though Katrina comes from outside the breeding of the Purden barn, if you like. But, uh, no, there's definite potential there. She loves it. She gets out there quite often, and uh, she really enjoyed herself yesterday and played a couple of shots that would warrant keeping going in the game. Let's mm. just say that, Chris. Who was the star yesterday? Well, there was a few out there. Uh, John Cremins, a guy who uh, dabbles in a little bit of golf. I don't know how talented he is because um, I watched him swing it and um, yeah, let's just say, I don't think Cam Smith's in any, any danger, re a British Open or a major, but uh, yeah, look, look, they're all there having a great time and um, yeah, I, golf is a, is a hobby for a lot of them and the way they swung the club, guys, I think it should remain a hobby. Okay, give me your self-assessment. How did you swing yesterday? Well, well, look, I was good off the tee, but my approach shots weren't up to anything uh, significant, hence the reason why we were lucky enough there was a card draw as opposed to uh, uh, going down the prizes. I think they had about 18 or 20 groups of four out there, and we might have finished midfield at best. We were one of those ones that can't come from off the speed as we got off to a pretty slow start. So we're working on the short game for next year. And just on that, are you keen to come back next year to be part of the Tab Constellations? Oh, look, I've loved it, Chris. I, I couldn't have had more fun. I've, I've been challenged because there's a whole lot of people I've interviewed on race night that uh, I've never met before, but getting to hear their stories. And one thing I learned a long time ago in this game is everyone has a story. And, uh, you know, guys like Doug Lee, who I'd never never met before, Jack Butler, who's clearly a, a top-line trainer up here, and, and how open and friendly they've been and, and how good they've been uh, interview-wise. Because let's face it, they're marketing themselves as much as our sport. So when you give them an opportunity, they've got to buy into it. The other one that's uh, 
before this carnival, I, I didn't think he was as open to the media as what he has been to us, as Jason Grimson, a young trainer from Sydney. Um, you know, he's a new breed of these trainers, uh, Chris, the, the likes of Jack Trainer, who got his, uh, his business done in the Group 1 the other night. Um, you know, I've known him from back in New Zealand. But they're really sweeping up the harness racing ladder, aren't they? And they're doing it in good style. They're good-looking guys. They're sharp dresses. They talk well, and their horses are delivering. And then you talk about a guy like Cam Hart, who... Well, he's as talented as Rainsman and I've seen in a wee while, and uh, I think we'll see that pretty evident on Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. You've got an important role on Thursday night because you're hosting the big uh, Tad Black's of Fake Calcutta at the Brecky Creek Hotel. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, we've already sold a heck of a lot of tickets for that too, so uh, I think you'll come along. We'll have a good chat about what might unfold in that race. And, uh, yeah, they they, uh, they are really looking forward to hosting a good function there. So it uh, should be great fun. And, um, yeah, by then, maybe this market would have shaken down a little bit more and we might know whether like a wildfire is going to be here because, as you guys have been talking about, it's the absolute key to the race. Yeah, absolutely. Greg, as always, really appreciate it, and we'll see you later in the week. Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks for your time. Cheers. Yeah, Greg O'Connor joining us. Chris, just starting to test your memory with the results from last Saturday night. I'm just going to ask you quickly where these horses came from in the run. So in the first was Crime Rider, 390 chance. Uh, yeah, he was uh, three wide and, and launched a big run passing the 400, right. so he was deep off the track. Racy Roxy was $41 in the second. Uh, three back on the inside. Can't find a better man was a $13 chance in the third. Leaders back, sprint lane. Credit master, race four. Leaders back, sprint lane. $4 chance. Uh, some moment somewhere, race five was $17. Leaders back came to the outside in the straight. Town Echo in the Golden Girl was $81. One one came to the outside in the straight. Rockin' Marty was seven fifty in race seven. Originally, he was down on the inside, and then when a horse made a break nearing the half, he, he popped off, and then he was able to track up. He came three and four wide at the, the top of the straight. Better Eclipse in the Sunshine Sprint. He was able to get to the lead. Jewel Melody, race nine. Led. And he's dusty in the last. It was $1.75. Three back on the inside, shot through along the sprint lane. Right, racetrack Ralphie is with us, Chris. Ralphie, good morning. Yeah, morning, Chris. It was a wipeout on Saturday night. It was nasty for punters. Oh, that's for sure. Um, yeah, there were some uh, horses got up there, but uh, horses like Racy Rocks, you just never write Grant Dixon off over a carnival, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, put us on the right path today. Where's the best bet on this eight-race program? Look, we're going to head to race six, number eight. Uh, we'll speak with Sam. He's a talented pacer. Uh, he's won four of his eight starts since he's gone, uh, come into the Jack Butler stables up here in Queensland. And he gets an ideal set up here today. He's drawn the inside of the back row and he follows out the likely leader in the speedy Paravani. Um, so Brendan Barnes should, uh, should land the perfect spot over this sprint distance today. And uh, last start, it was a good effort uh, when he finished second behind the informed pacer in Ronaldo. The Jack Butler-Brendan Barnes combination... Uh, they're in rock-solid form at the moment. So we're going to go race six, number eight, speak with Sam. And he looks a great option to stand out in the opening leg of the treble. All right, just currently looking at uh, the tab, 360 fixed price. You happy with that? Oh, very, very. I thought it'd be shorter. 